Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are watching Off the Track, and it is time to drop the hammer. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome back to episode number 19 of Off the Track, our dirt track racing podcast, where we like to talk about our experiences in the sport that we love and also interview guests about their angle on dirt track racing. Now, we're here in the studio today. We're jumping right into our interview. I have my guest to our left, Bennett to my right. Bennett, how have you been lately? We're doing good. Uh, this is going to be a fun episode for sure. It's going to be great. So in today's show, you know, when we interview a guest, I always like to have, you know, a good intro for them. You know, maybe that's, you know, know three facts about their position or what they're doing so you guys can kind of get a vibe about their job and their um, you know spot in the sport well when I was going through today and what to say I simply came up with one sentence and that is uh, this is the guy along with my mom that makes our race team possible to where we can go to the dirt track make all the content that you guys love and that we can share with you so uh, to my left I have my dad the man that makes everything possible uh, welcome to off the track hey thank you for having me and in today's show, we are going to be going through so many different things. Um, a lot of stories are going to be told today. Uh, we're also going to be talking about our start to the 2021 season, a little bit about your role because, you know, you've been in the vlogs actually a, a good amount lately and you've been popping in more and more, you know, back in 2018 when I was videoing, you weren't in the videos a lot. Uh, but, you know, just to kind of start off with our start to 2021, you know, how have things been? We've been putting, you know, a lot of miles on our equipment down to Arizona, California, yeah. racing around in Oregon. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, we've been putting a lot of miles on for sure i mean arizona was a lot of fun i mean we were gone four or five days and and then we come back home and, and it just seems like everywhere we're going we're having to travel we're not running at home we're having to go somewhere else to race whether it's up north or into california so and and each one of those trips are eight or ten hours yeah, it's a lot. And can you talk about maybe to just some of the the differences, you know, going down to some of these new places? Because we've really had to venture out of our, you know, we, we did it last year to venture out of our bubble, I guess you could say. But, you know, Arizona, that was our first time going there. First time going to Tulare, Hanford, Ocean, and then also a lot of firsts on Carly's side, you know, racing for the first time or not the, the first time back in the seat. Right. Putting her in the car this year again for her second race ever on her career. So, um, you know, going down to Arizona was a lot of fun. Um, that, that speedway was like one of the best that I think that we've, we've ever gone to. Yeah. Um, especially going there to get the experience to run a 410. Yeah. So it was a good one. You could run on the wall. I mean, it was, it was really good. And then, then, then going to, uh, to Larry and Hanford, yeah. um, to Larry was a little bit mind blowing in the beginning with, going there for the first time for a two-day show and you know the holes are you know a foot thick and the car disappears and, and that but i mean we went we've we've been back there since yeah and the track was better but um i think my favorite track so far in california has been hanford so yeah. they need a little more water but i you know i kill the dust but but hanford peter murphy hands down to him Great, great facility. When you mentioned uh, we went down to Arizona, and I think we talked about this on our Arizona trip, our nerves for it. What were you thinking when you first saw the cars turn a lap around there? Because that was a really fast track. And knowing, you know, Tanner's out there, your son, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, that was a little, you know, watching Tony Stewart. Yeah. And Reitzel and, and Donnie. Donnie <laughs> shots out there, like, turning laps. And, you know, I'm thinking, oh, Lord, here, what would we do? But I'll tell you what, it was the it was a great experience. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we had some bugs to work out of the car and that we, and, and it was the best part was watching the progression each night yeah. getting better and better and better, That's true. you know, and you know, the first night getting lapped, you know, one or two times, it was only once. <laughs> well, okay. But, but by, but by the last night, by Sunday, you know, we got lapped only by Tony, you know, by the first and second. By car, Tony and, and Netta. You know, and, and we finished like 12th or 13th. So we got the progress going. Yeah. And, and also, I think, you know, one of the things we talked about, and you touched on there, just like the level of competition, you know, we weren't going to like a local 410 show. You know, so not only was the level of competition high, but would you agree, I think we've came to the conclusion that we could not have picked 
a better place to run a 410 for the first time. And yes, the competition was good, but there was just something about Arizona Speedway. It was wide, it was banked, you could run the race car hard, and there was just plenty of room to do your own thing compared to if maybe we went to a small bull ring or a place, even though we weren't familiar with Arizona, you know, it, it was just a perfect place to get laps. Oh, it was. It was perfect. And I think going forward, going to the tracks in California, Hanford, Tulare, and that, you're, we're, we're, we're stepping the game up by running with better people. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that there's bad people out there. I'm just saying in order to get to the level where maybe we want to be, you know, we're learning. Yeah, right. we have to keep going against up against good people. And that's kind of, I think, been our motto since the start, you know, in outlaw carts. And that's where we're going to get into our story. But like the reason why we went to all these hard outlaw cart tracks, you know, at, at younger ages with myself and Carly. And I didn't realize that at the time. That's more the credit to you guys. But, you know, just all those things we did, we always want to run against the best competition because that's what's going to make um, us drivers. Uh, so moving into kind of our first little segment, let's talk about some of your roles on the team. Uh, a lot of people know you as, you know, a guy that helps in the shop. Uh, you also have a lot of other roles at the racetrack. Can you kind of just talk about what you what your job is at Tanner Holmes Racing? What do you want to hear first? You want to hear the shop or out let, on the let, racetrack? Let's, let's hear, mean, you know, traveling to the track okay. and, and getting there. Well, traveling to the track, I'm the driver. I mean, we put miles and miles on the rig all the time when we're traveling. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm a night driver. I love driving at night. Um, less traffic, um, plus sneaking into California, being you oh. know, 20, <laughs> 20 feet over lane. <laughs> so driving at night in California, they don't look at you as... Uh, Strictly. Yeah, strictly. So, you know, drive, drive, get to the track, you know, we sleep and, and uh, get up the next morning. When we go to the track, though, for our first night of racing, you know, we're ready to race. Yeah. You know, when the car gets loaded into the trailer before we leave, you know, we're dialed in, we're ready to go. Yeah. So we're, we're not working on the car usually the first night until after hot laps making changes. Yeah. So, um, with all that said, after we do all that, you know, my job on the team right now, I feel is, is, you know, I'm the fuel guy. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I make sure the car's got fuel and, <laughs> and that, and I change shocks. I do what I'm told. Um, I do the fuel airing, you know, I mean, I, I check the, the ADR and, and make sure the car's jetted. Right. Yeah. That's sort of my, my goal. And then make sure you're in your safety equipment properly and, and buckled into the car. So you also had mentioned uh, traveling, you know, being our driver. So props to you for getting us there yes. safely each time. I know uh, a quick little memory going from Arizona. I think it was over the, was it the grapevine? Yep. Uh, it was snowing on us and icy. And I was asleep up on the top bunk. <laughs> yes, I remember this. <laughs> and uh, I wake up and I was the only one up there. And I come down and Tanner's like, you know, my dad's driving. It's late at night and it's snowing. I don't know if I'd want to be up there. Yeah. But, uh, you know. Well, and, and. Nobody listens to me. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, hey, we got to go. They're calling for snow. We yeah, gotta this get, is, we, we gotta this get is after this Arizona. Yeah, yeah, everybody's dragging their feet. Nobody wants to get in and go. It's like, <laughs> hey, we're going to get stuck. And so what I found out about is we got over the grapevine just in time. Oh, yeah. They closed it down, and there was people behind us in California that got stuck for six or eight hours yeah. until they got it cleared the next morning. But yeah. a huge prop, so, I mean, the I can, night rider always driving yeah, at night. I can agree. Yeah, Dad is usually the one on our team that's kind of the more go, go, go. I always like to joke, um, you're always the one that's in fifth gear, and that's a good that's that can be a good thing, like in that situation. Uh, but my dad's always going, going, and he is uh, overseeing the team. Uh, back to another driving question, because I know it's funny when we're at the racetrack and we have fans come up that are also truck drivers. They love to hear about some of the the little bits that made it in the vlog. But like, what do you do to kind of keep yourself awake at night or even when you're driving? You know, what are you snacking on? What are you drinking? What are you listening to? Well, getting back to that, what you were saying, I get a lot of people at the racetrack that are truck drivers that come up and and I mean, they do what I do. I mean, I, you know, a little bit of background. I've been doing excavation and contracting for 30 years yeah. so i've been in the trucking business so long story short i mean i gear myself knowing that i got to drive so i have my little snacks i have my uh my five hour energy i have my rock star i have what candy you know, my mike and nights you know i have my pocket full of uh, my door pocket full of little snacks to get me through the night and then and then uh for example, this last weekend, 
Uh, I think Tara got up about five o'clock or five thirty and made coffee, and and then we brought her home. Yeah, it's kind of funny actually that you mentioned that. Uh, we almost have like a routine pit stop whenever we go to stop at a gas station, and it's kind of yeah. been uh, the same thing going down to California. We stop at the same place, and I know John stops to fuel up, and while you fuel done up... Done again. Done again. You tell me and Carly what to go get you at the <laughs> gas station, or like when we went to Montana, it's usually always, you know, five-hour energy, candy, or monsters. And seeds. those are... Also seeds, seeds yeah. Seeds. yeah, yeah. What, lot, what kind lot, of brand? Lots of spitters. Yeah, but it's funny how we kind of almost got a routine pit stop every gas station because we know what to get him. Uh, back to kind of what you were talking about with your driving experience, you know, how did you kind of get involved with, you know, driving larger equipment? I mean, and now you're obviously an expert, you know, driving. How, how long is our rig? It's almost what? It's over. 80. Uh, we're about 83 feet long. Yeah. So, you know, how did you gain experience to be able to do that? Because in a way, you know, a lot of people look that look at that and say it's extremely difficult. Um, you know, growing up as a kid, you know, it's a CDL license now, but growing up as a kid, it was a chauffeur's license when i got it i got my chauffeur's license at 18 because we had milk trucks and and we picked up uh, uh milk at the dairy and so as a kid my grandfather taught me how to drive 14 15 years old i was driving the truck and i didn't even have a chauffeur's license at that time yeah. so but when i got it that's what that i mean that's we were driving i was driving all the time yeah. And we were pulling a set of doubles in Oregon and we were 85 feet long. So, wow. so, and that's what I would do on the weekends. Um, you know, I would take milk to the ice cream plant. So, <laughs> and that was, uh, that was my, that was grandpa's business, right? Yes. So that was our, our family business was the dairy. So you got all that experience then, but you know, I guess kind of, uh, looking at a timeline, you know, what about what time, uh, you know, when was that? Uh, that was, well, I was 18 years old. I mean, I started at so the 14. A, the so, I mean, that was, that was in the 70s. 70s. The 70s. 70s, 80s. And yeah. then, you know, kind of how does that, uh, because people always ask here, you know, they want to hear more of a background on our family and stuff. Because obviously the vlogs is a lot of myself, Carly a little bit, you, uh, you and mom get in there, here and there. Like I said, no racing background, all hard work. But, but kind of, you know, what is that, the, the business as you, because you, you know, we own, or you own a business, you know, how did you kind of build that up and, and it's on the trucking side of things, you know, did it start in that dairy, you know, back in the 70s, 80s driving and that kind of, you know, you transformed into um, building your own business? Um, you know, in the eighties, the dairy business dried up. So the government paid the farmers not to make milk. Yeah. So, so that sort of dried up. So we took the trucks and we started hauling gravel with them and that, and so we became a construction business and then I kept buying trucks and, and, and so forth and so on. And, and we ended up, you know, in 2000, um, you know, we had four or five trucks and, five employees and then the, the business has grown since then and um you know we have 50 trucks and and we're we're a dirt company now though we're we're we we play in the dirt every day gotcha so i got a quick question actually <clears throat> my grandfather was a truck driver and he hauled lumber uh and if you've trucked a good amount you know from driving what's the scariest or like most technical road you've driven because i know you've got to at least remember it oh yeah or Prob conditions or something yeah. well you have two of them. It's it's probably 199. Yeah, going so to that, the coast. So it's Highway 199, Oregon, Grants Pass to to, to Crescent City or Coos Bay. It's yeah. it's you're only supposed to be 65 feet long. And I assume and, you've done it longer. Yeah, and we've been across that at probably 80 or 85 feet. Wow. And 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 when you go around the corners and some of those rock bluffs, it's like six inches. That's crazy. So it's like six inches to the wall. Yeah. So sort of like racing. Yeah. yeah. So, so growing up in uh Southern Oregon and, and, you know, through the family business, developing your own business, but like, where was there ever a time and not when I say, um, you know, when was your first race or interaction with racing, you know, not necessarily, you know, like going to the races or something, but did you have like a go-kart? Like, what was it, you know, what age do you remember? Was there ever any interaction or even hearing about something relating to uh, racing asphalt or dirt? Um, it's probably just going to the races. So um, we lived in, you know, South Medford and the posse grounds at that time, they called them the posse grounds. They were in uh, West Medford and uh, me and the boys, we'd go, we'd go to the racetrack and, and with our dads and we watched, 
some of the old timers, you know, at that time they were, you know, just kind of just beat like beater type, type and I, cars. And I wish I could remember some of their names because they were. Um, <laughs> Wait, was this the old? So Metford's where we're from. Is this the old Metford Speedway? Yes. Or is this? It was the Posse Grounds. Gotcha. Because this was actually at a time. I mean, it was a pretty popular track here in town. You know, Metford's. A, it was a, a big track. It was a little bit. It's we're in a larger, a little bit of a larger city. You know, hundred thousand people. Uh, you know, so that was your first interaction. Um, after kind of going to the races, you know, did you want to be a racer or was it just like a fun event to do back then? I think it was a fun event. I mean, especially for the dads because there was Heidelberg beer. I mean, yeah. that's how yeah. that's how far back it was. It, there wasn't Coors Light or, or Bud. It was Heidelberg and yeah. Olympia. So at the time, I know uh, it's dirt out there right now. Was that a dirt or asphalt track? Uh, that was a dirt track. And it was right next to Timber Products. There was a lot of great racers. Harold, Harold Hardesty was one of the guys that owned that track. I mean, he, he'd he go out there and, and... Just dominate? Yeah, just dominate. Harold Hardesty, that's actually, that's an interesting topic. You know, I did an interview with him a while back, and I'll link it because this is probably like in my first 15 videos, but he went on to beat what? He's in the NASCAR Hall of Fame, right? Yeah, he was in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. You know, back then, he would drive his car to the track, put race car tires on it, race it, and then drive it home. So, uh, I mean, I know it was just locally, but like dirt track racing back then, if you can remember, you know, like I said, was there, was there like tons of people? Like what did the sport maybe look back or look like in Southern Oregon back then? Oh, the stands were completely full yeah. and they were the old wood stands and they were packed with people. Really? Yeah. So uh, kind of moving, you know, kind of continuing on that timeline. You talked about the business, racing back then. Uh, but let's kind of jump into, you know, us racing together. I know uh, my journey started in about 2008, 2009, maybe a little before that because um, you guys were big NASCAR fans. Uh, you know, I know that was also part of your story, going to a couple of NASCAR races. When was that and how did that maybe just keep that interest of racing? Because you weren't a racer, you, you didn't necessarily go all the time, but, um, you know, how did that kind of keep you interested in the sport? Um, yeah, we, I mean, we went to NASCAR races. We went to Infineon. We went to Vegas. We went to that. That was in the early or late, um, like, uh, 2000. Late 90s? Yeah, late 90s, 1999, 1998, 2000. It was probably called Sears Point back then, huh? It was Sears Point. And then it was, then they moved it to Infineon. And then we, and then, like I said, we went to Vegas at least two or three times. Gotcha. But so back then still, it was kind of going as more of an event, not to, you know, be a big right. fan or a racer. I never knew that I was going to get myself in this deep. Uh, fast forwarding to 2008, 2009, uh, we had a we had an episode just a couple back. I guess what episode sixteen. We told our story of how we got involved in dirt track racing, yeah. and one of the names that I brought up, obviously talking about our family, but it was Bob. Uh, his name is Bob Nelson, and yes. he's your good buddy, and he was yep. kind of the main person pushing you to get uh, me started in racing. Can you kind of tell the story from your viewpoint, and you know how we got that first cart, that sixteen k purple and orange outlaw cart? Yeah, it it, it was. I mean. It, it was a little bit exciting to me because I as, actually wasn't sure what I was getting myself into. Um, we're getting some tire work done next door at the tire store, and the go-kart's sitting over there on the corner of the, the street. And, and, you know, I come home, and I say, hey, Tara, you want to go uh, dirt track racing and go go-kart racing? Let's get Tanner into it. And, and I think that's basically how it started because um, Bob Nelson knew who owned the cart, said he could set it up and help us run it and so so i took him up on it and and we tried it and away we went and uh kind of going back to you know asking mom if you know hey is this something we want to do i kind of remember you i i actually remember to this day you asking me you know hey is racing something you guys would want to get involved in and our start was just a little bit different because, you know, not being racers, I think a lot of people can relate maybe watching that are fans and whatnot that are first, you know, technically first generation drivers. You know, we had no idea what we were getting into, anything about racing, not at all. what air pressure, stagger, you know, changing gears, wing angle, whatever. We didn't well, know any of that. So, and I'll tell you what, the first time we went out to Medford to the go-kart track, there was a hundred cars out there. Yeah. I mean, it was like, I was nervous. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was like, what did I do? What did I get myself into? Because at that time, the go-karts were everywhere. Yeah. Racing was so popular in Southern Oregon. And that was 2008, um, kind of getting into to 2009. So uh, I remember our first time at the track specifically. I don't know. Do you, do you remember our first time going there? So I told the, the story on the episode. You know, I got a bloody nose. We met. That's how we ended up meeting our first friends in the sport, the Fosters, which not relating to Ryan Foster, the Fosters up here in Southern Oregon. Uh, but, you know, what did kind of our early stages look like? 
your expectations, because I know I always joke that, you know, you were a little hard on me. You are very hard. Very on hard me. on you. But also like learning the setup side of things, because, you know, your dad also had a little bit of a racing background, but not yeah. much. And, you know, just kind of the learning process of getting started. Well, I think I talked to you about this before. I mean, we've talked about it. Book smart. Yeah. I mean, I bought all the books. I read them. I did the basics. And that's how we started. I mean, uh, you know, Bob could take me so far helping me do the car, but he didn't, he really didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. So, I mean, he just pretended, but that's what he still does today. So, um, but he, you know, took his advice, took the book's advice, and here we are. Do you, do you, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, that's funny. That's exactly what my dad did. He took the book's advice and he also took, you know, the asphalt route and we're racing dirt carts. So the asphalt route only applied so much, but... Uh, it's kind of the same thing there. Yeah. So do you, do you remember maybe what some of these books were called? I mean, I, cause I remember, I think you still have them next oh, no, to your bed. I, I have them. I've showed them to you. They're they're. I think it's like go-kart setup, And I mean, it's uh, dynamics of speed. So it's a whole dynamics book on engineering. So, you know, how to set the car up and, 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 and the logic of the geometry. So, um, but that's, I mean, it worked. Yeah, it, it worked. And, and I've used that principle today uh, in my life on how to, you know, set things up. And this question's a little bit on the spot because I was thinking about it when we were preparing for today's show. And you might not know the answer, but when we purchased that first cart, the orange and, you know, purple with the yep. 16, all that other vinyl. Do you remember how much it cost? No, I want to say, uh, I don't know. It's <laughs> maybe. 700 bucks, 800 bucks. Really? That's crazy. That goes yeah. to show just, you know, where kart racing's at. Now, granted, it was not a brand new car. This thing was a, this was a, a run what you brung homemade. Factory SPR. We always like to joke the homemade chassis. So that's kind of, you know. But I do think it was a QRC, but it was old. Yeah, it, it was just a really it was, old it was style old. Uh, QRC. All right. So I know on my side of things, and I got a question for you. Uh, coming from Red Bluff, you know, half the field down there when I was running beginner box, box, talk, <laughs> they were cheating. And all right. And that's just how it was. Uh, without Tanner's knowledge, because I was told this when I was younger or older that when I was younger, we tried something one time, uh, without Tanner's knowledge, did you ever attempt to, you know, cheat up the beginner box motors? We didn't, we no. didn't. I, I was always really worried that if I ever did something that we would get in trouble. I yeah. mean, you know, they, that would they kind of be to, the end of it. They used to drill jets. They used to drill restrictor, plate. restrictor plates. They oh, yeah. used to, they used to put stuff in the oil. I mean, I just figured that here's the deal. If we're racing, we're we're racing to win. Yeah. And and if we can win by doing it right, then we've done something right. I mean, we Absolutely. you know it, it's it, it, because believe it, there's a lot of people out there that cheat. Oh yeah. Yeah. You no, know, think, and, and you know, and NASCAR's got the motto. I mean, that if you don't get caught, you're you good know, to it's go. Not, it's yeah. not cheating, but you know, you got to learn how to drive. Yeah. Yeah. I learn think, how to set the car up. I mean, if we screw up and we're where we're at, it's, you know, I take the blame. Yeah, I think the story my dad has was <clears throat> we were at Red Bluff, and you know everyone at Red Bluff's fast. So uh, I think we drilled the plate or something one time, <laughs> like right before we moved up. So we only did it once. Other than that, we were the same way. But uh, it was just funny to know because I didn't even didn't know Didn't you that say it, it, the piston well, shot, shot into your wing? I think it probably well, yeah, blew up and, and, and funny to say that I've bought parts from certain racers down there at Red yeah, Bluff, yeah, and there's drilled restrictor plates. Oh, yeah. There's all kinds of stuff, so. and that's just Red Bluff. That yeah. is that's the history of Red Bluff. Yeah, yeah, that's that's outlaw kart racing, and that's when parents are want more of the glory than their yeah. kids. Uh, so I think a, a a good thing to kind of transition into here the Southern Oregon Kart Track. You talked about when we first got started. You know, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. 100 carts a night. You know, oh, that's just yeah. where kart racing was so healthy back then. Even north of us, Cottage Grove, Salem, Albany, and south of us, you know, Red Bluff was healthy as ever with Cycland right there along with it. But in about 2011, you know, as we started racing more and more locally, but traveling as well, uh, you know, what did, uh, you ended up helping the kart track here in Southern Oregon a lot. Can you just kind of talk about that process and, you know, kind of building it into a, a better product than it was? Yeah, there was some new promoters that came out and uh, Dave Hibbard, um, we went to work with Dave Hibbard. He took the track over. Um, it was a small little D-shaped little, little bowl ring. It was actually cool because the QRC tour used to come there what yeah. in the in the in the in the late 80s and 90s i mean yeah. it was a it was pretty cool but it was a little d 
And uh, we took it, we put barrier up, we put fence up, we made it more of a super speedway. And uh, uh, between Dave and I, um, we went and we rebuilt the whole place and that's what it is today. So it's, it's actually a still has some of the same, same stuff you guys dropped off then. It's, it's, if it's run right, it's a premier go-kart track. I think this is a good question, actually. Sorry to interrupt. Um, when you prep a track, how many days prior does that take? Because I think a lot of people don't realize how much goes into track prep. Because I think you used to prep it. I, I used to prep the track. I prepped the track for five years. And so what, what process went into that? So you race on it Saturday night. Yeah. And you need to rip it on Sunday. And then you lay it back down loose. And then you start watering it Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then, and then maybe Thursday afternoon, you, you roll it back in, smooth it out, and then you just keep watering it. And then come, whether it's Friday night or Saturday night on a, on a track, then, then you roll it in. We rolled in that cart track with pickups and trucks, just like the big track. So, yeah. But you got to work on it all week. You can't just work on it one or two days before the race. Did it help also that you had, you know, all the, your, your business was literally the dirt business. So you had all yeah. that knowledge of, you know, how to work with the material and do what it, you needed it to do. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, we, we actually put dirt on it. We, one of the tricks that I would do is we would actually put about 40, about 40 pounds of soap every two or three weeks on it to help hold the moisture because in the summertime, you know, it'd be a hundred degree days. Yeah. And so put a little more soap on it. It would help hold the moisture. So we would usually quit watering it if we were racing Friday night and say we're wheel packing at six, um, we quit watering at about three thirty. Yeah, wow. I'm not gonna lie; it's kind of sad talking about all these old memories of when we got started because you know the Southern Oregon Cart Track is not as in good of a spot as it was you know ten years ago. But there's new promoters and there's new people kind of getting involved, and I think you know it possibly has a bright future. So we can only wish it the best. Uh, another topic to talk about in our early stage of racing was Red Bluff. You know, Red Bluff was this place. You you talked about it. Yeah. There's a lot of people down there that are fast, um, you know, aggressive. It just is a different style of racing. And we went down there, I think, in 2010 for the first time. Uh, what, oh, yeah. What, how did you hear about <laughs> the place? And how did, were you convinced that, like, that was the track we needed to be running laps if we wanted to progress farther? Oh, yeah. No, what I heard was from people in Southern Oregon that raced Red Bluff every year. They said, okay, we go down there. The night before, we, would, we wouldn't sleep all night. We would be sick. I mean, you, you, they'd have upset stomachs and everything else because it was such a hard place that, you know, there would be hundreds of cars and, and, and everything else. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, we're coming from Southern Oregon. You know, we've won a lot of races. You know, I think we started out in the box stock class. No, it was beginner. Uh, beginner box. Yeah, it was beginner. We went the race before West Coast Nationals because we thought, you know, hey, we don't need a, we don't need to run down there a whole season. We just heard about West Coast Nationals. Right. And then ran that race and then West Coast. Right. And and I think there was like 45 or 50 cars in our class. Yeah. And I figured, okay, here we do. We're going to go down there. We're going to show these California boys what we're doing. And, and you know, we, we, we were terrible. <laughs> I don't even know if I was and, full throttle. And, yeah. So, um, but... With all that said, we went back, then we started racing there every year, and racing with that kind of a competition being, I think it's, I think Red Bluff is the number one winner series go-karts in the country. Oh, yeah. And you have the best drivers. So, in order to get to the place where you want to be in your career or as a go-kart driver and that, you need to run against the best. And so, we... I think this is our 11th or 12th year yeah. of, of racing down there from beginner box all the way up. And we haven't and, missed a race. And we've never missed a race. And uh, that was the commitment that we made, you know, to to better ourselves. And, and I think that's just, you know, from the first time we were down there, you know, seeing all those cars, we realized, like, this is no joke. Right. You know, and also in that, you know, we made friendships and relationships that you now we carry today. You know, that's super, how I met super, Bennett. Yeah. Super people, super people. And, and. And staying committed to, to the the people that you're down there with. I mean, look at your, you know, look at you're running with, you know, the best, and and you're running for QRC, and Jimmy Elledge, and and I mean, number one, top notch facility. Yeah. I mean, in the country. Yeah. I mean, so you know, he builds the best stuff. Yeah. And every time, you're in the best stuff, and 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 I just think that. 
that organization and the Red Bluff and Cycle Land the and, combination and, and the of combination it. of everything, it, it really is, you know, put, you know, put us where we are today. Do put you us, put us where we are today? And, 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 and plus the friendships and the people. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, if you need something, you make a phone call. I mean, it's great. Do you think uh, when you started racing down there, because what is it? It's two and a half, three hours, three, three, three hour hours, drive. three hours. So um, do you think that's obviously where you started putting on the miles at yeah. early, you know, yeah. long time ago, a couple years, not long, uh, putting on the miles, going down to Red Bluff every weekend, down and back. And I know I've started to understand, you know, we leave at like 1 a.m., you know, when we're coming up to shoot the podcast the next day. Did you ever think like this is just too much driving or? Um I probably have never thought that, but what, what's happened is, is, you know, when we were first were doing it, we'd go down on Friday, come home on Sunday. Yeah. And now because our lives are so much more compacted and busy yeah. and trying to do work and play and everything else, you know, all of a sudden we're leaving, you know, Saturday night and getting home at two in the morning on Sunday, you know, yeah. sleeping until seven or eight and then getting up and doing chores. I yep. mean, it's, 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 you know, that's how it's sort of compacted and, and, you know, we need to relax a little bit more and, and, and I mean, you know, stretch it out. Yeah. We always, my mom always says sleep when you're dead. And that's kind yeah. of our, that's the Holmes family motto. We just go, go, go. Uh, one of the awesome things I want to touch on too is, you know, around that period of, of us starting to make friendships, because when we first started going down there, we were, we were an outsider. We were an Oregon outsider. That's the best way to put oh, it. Yeah. And, you know, people, we, we, we started to run up front a little bit more. And, and, you know, when you run up front, you don't always have the most friends. And we kind of ran into that. But some of the most fun years, I think, and I can vividly remember because I was getting older, was about 2013 to 2017, you know, the last year that we ran together in 250s, um, you know, from the first year in box stock to the last year in 250s. Can you talk about, you know, that time and really starting to perfect setup on the car? And that's where we won, you know, a champ or two championships in that period. I think every year, you know, our lowest year, we won three races and the, our highest years, you know, we're winning seven or eight races at Red Bluff and, you know, kind of in a way dominating. Yeah, it's... It's funny how that all worked out because I'm not really good with setup, but everything I read and then working with Jimmy and also and, Rick and, Rapp and, and Rick Rapp helped a lot, um, you know, getting all that stuff dialed in and just being the competitors we are. I mean, the competitors, you know, you know, there's always a rivalry and, and I just, you know, the whole Perkins yeah. Holmes thing. I mean, we're always fighting for that championship and, and we're fighting today. But, yeah. but what's so funny is back then when we were fighting for it, it was like, okay, you know, we go box in the parking lot. But now, <laughs> you know, we've all grown up and it's yeah. great. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I consider all those guys my great, I mean, they're, they're friends. all friends. Everybody's friends down there. Yeah. It's, it's crazy where things kind of started. And, you know, um, as we talked to that, that beginner box, box stock dad syndrome yeah. style thing. And, uh, you know, just where it kind of has uh, transitioned into, we talked about Rick Raptor. We talked about Jimmy, all those relationships. How important was that you know, to have people in your corner to kind of lean on for advice because you talked about, you know, not being the greatest at setup, but learning it over time. And another part of that was everything we did during the week. Can you talk about our, um, you know, weekly routine? Because a lot of people, you know, maybe didn't put in as much effort as we were, you know, scaling, you know, um, before and after the races, all the prep and what we would do to our tires and chassis and going and through it all. You oh, also yeah. had two carts for Carly as well. Well, yeah, yes. we were always running two carts. Two carts is always a challenge. Yeah. Believe me, because never do both the cars come back to the shop in one piece. Yeah. So especially the way Carly drives sometimes. So, <laughs> so, um, but I mean, it was, you know, you kids wash the carts. So, I mean, you guys did your part washing the carts and then we throw them on the scales, make sure nothing was bent and then do our motor maintenance oil and, and check kingpins and, and, and just going through the whole the whole routine and putting them back on the scales and, you know, Thursday night, making sure we we're good and then loading the trailer. Yeah. I mean, it was every week. So, and, and if you don't do that, then, you know, you're not prepared. Right. Yeah. And I prepared. know, I know you scaled a lot too. One of my funny scaling stories to bring up, like, I'm not going to lie. When I was younger, I had like no patience. I would get so annoyed, because, but you know, looking back, I didn't realize, you know, all the effort and, you know, really trying to get things perfect. So we have yeah. a chance at winning. You know, I was more concerned about what could I play on my Xbox 360 that night instead of, you know, getting my race car dialed in when I'm nine years old. But I remember, you know, we would sit in the garage and 
We didn't have anything fancy to keep our wheels straight. So it was all up to me to hold my wheel perfectly straight. Yeah. And dad would stand, you would stand behind the car and it was left, left. Oh no, right, right, left, like back and forth to make sure our wheels were straight so we could get the proper scale numbers. And then, you know, hold the steering wheel. Dad runs over with his phone, takes the picture, saves that. And then, you know, um, you know, I remember going through your camera roll. It's literally all scale numbers on yeah. just different weeks. You could see the dates. And that's just um, one of my, you know, funny memories from back then. It, it's part of the commitment. I mean, that's, you know, that's part of the commitment when racing. Either you're going to race from the, you know, when you're little kids to now. I mean, it's the commitment that you make. You're either going to do it as a hobby and for fun and you like to go out and hang out and drink beer in the pits and yeah. and that, or, or you're going to go try to make a career or a living out of it. And, you know, only probably one or 2% even do that. So, you know, it's you know, trying to, trying to build that in, you know, for the commitment of making it all happen yeah. and putting all so, the pieces of the puzzle together. Yeah. I think that's kind of what we've been doing, especially as we started getting more serious, you know, and, and committing to Red Bluff. That was just the beginning of our journey of putting that first puzzle piece on the table. And then now kind of starting to slowly connect them all and build our puzzle of what is our racing. Um, you know, fast forwarding after some of those great years at Red Bluff, we stopped racing together in carts in um, the end of 2017, I guess it was, you know, beginning of 2018, right. when I started running the QRC house cart. And, you know, after that, you know, not that you weren't involved with setup and being there, but you were more of a, a spectator and just, you know, we were there having fun together, learning it. You know, how was that kind of taking a step back from that? And obviously now in the sprint car, you're just as almost involved as you were in the carts, but, you know, kind of taking that step back and, you know, giving someone else the role of, you know, being in charge of my race car. Right. And, and that was nice to see how somebody else does it. You know, I'm still involved. I do what I'm told. I'm just, I'm, I'm there, but um, I, maybe I don't have to do as much. So, and uh, it, it's, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice break to have you and Carly sort of out of my hair because you know, I get to relax a little bit and just enjoy the races. Oh. And, and Jimmy does a great job. You know, we had him on the podcast that is worth listening to, you know, hearing his history in the sport and how involved And you know, like you said, seeing someone else do it from a different angle, because if you really look back at the process that we had um, in the process he has, it's pretty much, you know, the exact same thing. Hey, Jimmy's a great man. Yeah. yeah you, uh, well, go ahead. No, I'm just saying he's, 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 he's one of a kind. And, he, and he's elevated us to a whole new level. Yeah, I was going to say, do you remember, like, because um, I know I have the moment with my dad, like, when it was, like, one of my first 250 wins. Uh, do you remember, do you have a specific moment where you guys, you know, afterwards, uh, you saw Tanner after you took the checkered flag or whatever, you're like, th like, the coolest moment in racing? Do you guys have that? Well, moment? I think the coolest moments, one of the coolest moments, there's been a lot of them, but yeah. one of the ones that I remember is actually when Tanner and Carly both won, same night. Yeah. Both cars are in Red Bluff. They're both in the center. They're both holding their trophies. And uh, he won, I think it was a box stock, and she was beginner box. Beginner box. That was 2013. Yeah. It was a, It was called the Autism Awareness Night, and we had cool puzzle piece trophies. Yeah. And that was the first, probably both successful night, because you mentioned if I, if I did good, Carly's car was probably wadded up. And if <laughs> I didn't run good, uh, or no, if I, my car was wadded up, Carly might have been standing in victory yeah. lane, because that's just kind of you know, how it fell, uh, kind of continuing to move forward, talking about our, our 500 program, but working our way into the sprint car. How did you know, because, you know, even though I'm, I'm getting older and, and I'm starting to gain more knowledge, but at the end of the day, you're the decision maker for our team, you know, Tanner Holmes Racing. How did you know the sprint car route was going to be the way to go instead of going out and buying a four cylinder or a modified or a late model or whatnot? I don't know because Tara and I talked about we're not running sprint car. We're not doing this. You know, we want something safe and, and everything else. And, and, you know, it all came, goes back to Harold Hardesty. Um, you know, I did some work with him and he had an old rocket chassis. Yeah. It had, it, it, it was a complete roller. I mean, it was probably eighties or nineties. I mean, this it was, deal was like it, an it, SBR sprint car. It, it was, you wouldn't believe it. It was, but it was a rocket chassis motor, everything. So, so I put a septic tank in for him and, and a new septic tank replumbed his house and he gave me this car. And so I brought it to the shop, started picking it apart. And, and then I just looked, what did I get myself into? So, um, 
but, but that's sort of how it started because we didn't have any plans of really maybe doing sprint car. We didn't know what direction we were going to go. Mm-hmm. And, and that sort of came up and, and it was a deal. And so we actually, I don't think we used anything besides the motor. I think we, we got rid of everything else. Do you but, know where it ended up? I mean, I don't know um, where we put the chassis and everything. Do we still no, have it? No, uh, um, McMaster's. Came and got it. Oh, for gotcha. somebody. Gotcha. Someone bought so, it. Oh, yeah. Somebody bought it. I mean, but <laughs> I'll <laughs> tell you what. <laughs> that I, thing. I, you know, looking back at it, it was a good thing. I mean, it got us started, you know, and then through the days and the weeks and the months and, and that, you know, I talked to more people and, and uh, you know, I didn't know Roger Henderson at the time. And, uh, and, and Matt Rogers, which is a local engine builder here in town, and he builds some motors for people. And, and he says, hey, you know, you really need to talk to, to Roger. You know, I don't know whether he'll help you or not. And, you know, you might talk to him and see because he'd been racing a little bit with Roger Crockett and... A lot of other big name guys in yeah, the Northwest. Yeah, yeah he'd been Roger, uh, racing with quite a few people and, and he sort of slowed down a little bit. So... And, uh, then I found out he had a chassis for sale. And so I went over and I looked at the chassis and then I talked to him and said, Hey, are you interested in this? And then he came back and, and, uh, I think that was about three and a half years ago. Yeah. And now he's our, our full-time crew chief on the sprint car. And we've been working together since, you know, in the shop, you guys have seen him in shop videos, um, at the racetrack. It's just crazy how that, that whole process, when you kind of look back, you know, how we got started, I totally forgot about that old car at Harold Hardesty's house. Cause I remember my, my side of that story was we had went to lunch with Harold one day um, up in Ashland. So he's, he's just a little bit uh, south of us on I-5. We went to his house, and he walked us to the back, and that sprint car was there. Right. And that thing was sitting it, and I, I, you know, I was excited, but you know, looking back, you know, what, a, what a car it was. Yeah, it, it was an experience. Do you, do you ever feel like at one point you wanted to you know, get, in the, get in the car? I uh, don't think so. No, not, think, not a sprint car. That's yeah. a good segue into what you said earlier, you know, getting into a race car one time. Uh, yeah. That's the story I think we need to tell on the podcast because it's hilarious. So you've only ran a race car one time. I want to get you in the outlaw cart or a sprint car. The heck, the dwarf car. Maybe we'll have to. Hey, my dad's made a lap in an outlaw cart one time. And he said, that's all I needed. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, what was that? Can you tell the story of just your first time? It was out here locally at the Southern Oregon Speedway. And it involved involved uh, Bob Nelson, who got me started. And he kind of got well, you in the seat. Rick Rapp. Really, it was, it was Rick Rapp because there was a play day out there. And... And if I remember right, Ricky Lynn, his uh, daughter, his, his daughter, uh, we had a super four. It was a super four, mm-hmm. um, four cylinder modified, whatever, uh, thrown and, together. And, and, and so, so they hopped in it and I didn't even know how to shift it. And I guess you just go forward and back or whatever. So they got me pointed in the right direction. And so I made about, I don't know, three or four, five laps. I mean, you ought to see if you can find the video. You weren't there, going a video. Fast. I, I thought I was going 100. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was 100. So, so after that, you didn't think, uh, you know, you want to get in it for a race or that was, that was Well, it? no, because I went through the infield, tore off the oil pan, spun out. Now I got out of the car, <laughs> thought I was done. Yeah. I, 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 uh, was, I went, there was like a two-foot berm that I tried to jump. Yeah. The, the funniest part about that is, you know, like you said, you thought you were going so fast and... I, I thought I was going to hit the wall. I wasn't sure what to expect because, you know, we watched all these races at the Southern Oregon Speedway. Dad's getting in the car. I know Dad hadn't raced much. And just that that story in itself, you know, you're putting around out there. You look like you look like you were Carly first time in her sprint car, or me my first time in my sprint car, but like 10 times slower. Just putting around in a four-cylinder. Uh, but what a story that is. Well, maybe someday I'll do engine warm-up. Yeah, you, well, you gotta. Everyone's got to comment on this video. What car do you want to see Dad get in? Maybe it's the limited. It's the outlaw car. We the can, dwarf car. We, I think he'll fit the dwarf car. We can throw him in another four cylinder and give you that second opportunity. Okay. So as we get close to wrapping up this interview, the last couple of topics I want to touch on is you know our sprint car racing currently in just these past couple of years. We got hooked up with Roger Henderson, you mentioned, and how that's kind of elevated our team. But we've got the chance to go to so many neat racetracks this year. Uh, we've been going south more than north. But in the past, you know, we went north a lot. Cottage Grove, we have Willamette, Banks, Coos Bay, Skagit, well, And Grace remember, Harbor. we went east, too. And we, we did we go went, east. We went east for you know, two times. What have, been, what have been some of your favorite memories in the sprint car? Because we've got to see so many neat racetracks. Slick, 
some hooked up, some rough. Uh, but what have been some of your favorite, you know, memories so um, far? You know, I think the first win at Skagit, that was that, that the 360 win. That was pretty Im- impressive. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, you know, I think that was only like 66 starts with limited and 360 together. I mean, having... Because we got some limited wins. Yeah. So, and then going the same weekend, going to, uh, uh, where'd we go? We went to Electric City. Electric City. That was a fun track. I, oh man, we, I want to go back there we so could have. I thought we were going to win all three nights, but, but, but bringing it home with a win on the last night was awesome. Yeah. That was the 2020 Montana roundup. It was four nights, actually. We ran one night at Skagit, three nights there in Electric City, yeah. and we won two of the four nights and ran fourth on the other two. Um, another week, I think that I remember, and Bennett would agree, I think, on this one. How about our week um, on ISCS Speed Week in 2019, where we won three, three, yeah, three of the uh, six nights, and the other nights we were on the podium, and yeah. just all the mayhem. Can you kind of touch on you know those events and all the fun we had, you know, traveling, you know, close to home, but on a speed week? Yeah, no, that that was fun, and and that was a, a lot of good. Um, you know, didn't think we were going to win three out of the six. Yeah. So and win the the points at the end of the week. So um, just a lot of great tracks. I yeah. think the fun part about that week too is, you know, we I look back at Arizona when we went down to Arizona and I would say that was, you know, fairly intense. Like, you know, you're yeah. there to race and then, you know, you just want to execute. Because and we're that's also we're at doing. the same track right. every night too. But when we went on that speed week, I think that's the first time we literally showed up and I could confidently say we were the best car. It felt like we were the car to be each night. And that was a lot of fun for me. At yeah. Least. yeah, being in that spot is something else. And, and something we talked with Dominic Selzy with recently is confidence in yeah. racing. And that that is so huge. And that was one of those weeks yeah. where we were just, you know, confident. Setup was dialed in. We were dialed in in a way because we had the motor hiccup where yeah. we, you know, remember the motor was overheating. Two we motor had to get changes. It, had Two to get motor it changed, changes, yeah. changed back and forth. And then we still won the night at Banks where there was just half the crew there. And I think it's also important to know, uh, it's it's really important to be really confident but not cocky. Yes. And I think that's one of those weeks where, where we had, you know, the results to show we were confident in saying we were the best car each night. And I think with our heads held that high, you know, the results just showed in, in our results. And I'm looking forward to kind of, you know, 2020 with all the chaos, we weren't able to run some of those local speed weeks close to home. So, you know, we're looking forward to getting back to ISCS week of speed, mainly with Carly. I might run it too. And then also Western sprint tour, which is five or six nights throughout the Pacific Northwest. You know, we don't have to travel eight to 10 hours. We don't have to put as many miles on the equipment, but you know, still two to three hour drives each night, hit every racetrack in Oregon. And that's a lot of fun to wrap up the episode. I think talk, talking about, you know, what's next, um, you know, as you're the, the guy at the top of Tanner Holmes Racing, making it happen, what do you see our goals kind of moving forward and, and the things we want to keep kind of, you know, hitting on? Um, I think we're just going to keep trying to improve our game, you know, play the best game we can at every track we go and, and learn. I, I mean, I think this is a big learning year for us. Um, especially doing some of the new things that we might be doing and, and some of the traveling we might be doing and getting to see some new fans. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, it's not so much racing as it is to see the fans yeah. and, and meet the people and hear the stories and, and get the experience. Yeah. Get the experience. I mean, um, there's a lot of people out there that we enjoy talking to. Yeah. So yeah, and seeing we got a busy schedule up ahead. Is there any racetrack in particular? You guys can both actually chime in on this. You know, is there a racetrack that I know you've looked at our schedule a couple times and it, it's starting to change here and there, but you know, is there a track in particular you're looking forward to getting to the most or maybe getting back to, um, I'm thinking the track that I want to see a bunch of learning on this year is maybe we'll get to go to Knoxville a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really run something to where, you know, you know, we got to get our feet wet on some of the bigger tracks. Um, you know, I love dirt cup. I mean, we, you know, we were so close we in 2019, so close at 2019. Maybe we'll get something yeah. lucky yeah. again. Yeah. And you know, remember racing is 50% luck. It, yeah. It's, it's a huge, luck of the draw. it's a huge pie between luck, confidence, equipment that night. Just there's so many things that go into it. Uh, and I would have to agree with you, you know, Dirt Cup's going to be fun. Knoxville's going to be fun. And I think this year as a team, you know, no matter what we're doing on the social media side of things, the racing side of things, the fans, you know, just keep working on improving every area and making our team, you know, as close to the top level and top tier as we can. Oh, yeah. 
So that is going to uh, wrap up today's show. Dad, thank you so much thank for joining thanks, us. This was, thanks this for was having a really me. fun episode. We'll be seeing you a little bit later, you know, in, you know, at home, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll definitely be seeing you here soon, but we want to get more uh, guests in studio over the phone, you know, uh, through video chat as much as we can. And we're going to be bringing you guys these shows um, every single Wednesday. So dad, like I said, thank you so much for joining us here today. Right. And you. we will uh, see you this weekend at the Skagit Speedway. All right. Thank you. Well, we are back in our normal spots here in the studio. Uh, in quick correction, I said there at the end that we are heading to the Skagit Speedway. That is the game plan for this weekend, but when this episode's being released, we have a two-day show uh, for, for, for Memorial Day um, in the Limited at Cottage Grove. So that's where you're going to be seeing us. What a great interview. Awesome to oh, have yeah. my dad here in the studio. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to talk to him, and I don't think a lot of people knew that about him. But uh, he does put on a lot of miles, and he gets us there safely all the time. And I think, uh, you know, he's still here in studio yeah. behind the camera. And John does a lot of the barbecuing and cooking and the yes. chicken beforehand as well. And uh, he does make a lot of good meat, too. So uh, I do like his chicken and his tri-tips. So a big shout-out to him for that as yeah, well. Yeah, he always jokes. He's like, if we make it in racing one day, he just wants to be the truck driver and, you know, occasionally cook. Another funny joke when we kind of were really talking about it at the beginning was we were welcome, welcome, welcoming in him into our studio, yeah. you know, calling it our studio. But he technically owns this building, so this is his studio as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I know uh, – I think it was maybe the third or fourth podcast I had mentioned, uh, you know, shout out to Tara for doing all the cooking. And then uh, he said something like, hey, I do cook too. Yeah. So that's why I we, said that. We, but, uh, we have to include him. But yeah. anyway, that's going to wrap up episode number 19. We're really starting to roll along with these podcast episodes. We're going get, to be getting more guests here soon. Um, hopefully more in studio. I love the vibe of that. You know, Same. we can have so many great conversations and really dive deep into these topics and dirt track racing and um, the story of our guests. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, next episode, number 20. So that's pretty awesome. I'm excited to get there. And uh, we got a lot of cool stuff coming up in the next month. Yeah, that's our next milestone. Stay tuned for, um, you know, all of our schedules. If anything changes, we'll let you guys know. Keep up to date with all of our Dirt Track content right on my YouTube channel, Tanner Holmes, right on Bennett's YouTube channel. Also right here on the Off The Track podcast channel every single week, uh, Wednesday at 3.30 p.m. And also, if you're into listening just to the audio version, that is available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Anyway, we will see you guys all in episode number 20. Yep. Deuces. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are watching Off the Track, and it is time to drop the hammer.